1 Samuel chapter 16. Also, I want you to uh, find 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Just put your finger there because i got two opening scriptures. It says, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. 1 Corinthians chapter 27 reads, rather 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 27 reads, and by the way, this is probably one of my favorite scriptures, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lonely things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. Father, we thank you. And we're always careful to give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. I ask, God, that you would take these next few minutes to minister to your people. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would walk up and down the pews in every aisle and touch each heart, soften their hearts, open them up to receive what your word has for them. And God, that we would not just be hearers, but we would take what you have given us and do something with it. Let us change. Let us be different tomorrow because we heard your word today. I pray that you move in signs and wonders. In Jesus' name. We all said? Amen. amen. And amen. When you look at the world, the world is governed by ordinary people. You know, we look at them at a distance, or maybe you see them on TV, and we think, wow. But it's not, they're not normally the best or the brightest that are leading us. If you've worked for a corporation you, and you have a boss, you probably can agree with me with that one. It's never the best or the brightest. The world is governed by the committed the consecrated, and the compassionate. And they're often not the best and brightest. They're just the ones that said, I will. I'm going to do something about it. I call these people C-average people, you know. Most of us, you know, we weren't scholars, and maybe if you are, God bless you, we hate you. But for the rest of us, we weren't the scholars. We're the C-average kind of people, right? And, 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 but I'm going to tell you, it's those C-average people that prevail. God chooses ordinary people to achieve extraordinary results. He loves doing that. Albert Einstein, when we know him as a great scientist, that man was so absent-minded that one time he received a $1,500 check from the Rockefeller Foundation, used it as a bookmark, and then lost the book. But look what he was. Look what he became. See, the things we say we'll never do. See, we have to be careful. It's not your talent that determines where you're going to go. It's what comes out of your mouth. I can't. Oh, I hate that word. I can't. Yeah, you can. No, I can't. Yeah, you can't. No, I can't. Yes, you can. It's not in me. All right? See, what we feel we can't do become the very things God's grace leads us into. Be careful when you say you can't. Especially when you walk with the Lord, he, oh, you can't? He's going to take you right to your can't. 
I can't do it, Lord. Well, there's your camp. Get him over. You know, I don't know he's in heaven. Gabriel, get, 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 her, get her and take her right to her camp. Why? Because he wants to get that out of you. He wants you to be something special. God gives us the resources we need when we need them. So don't say, well, when I'm ready and, you know, when, I, when I'm more skilled and I got all. Well, that's cool to get there, but don't wait for that. Right? Just do it. You got to go. Because God will give you the resources you need when you need them. That's how God operates. He's not going to give them before you need them. You know why he doesn't like giving you things before you need them? Because sometimes if you get it before you need them, you won't do what you're supposed to do. So he gives them to you when you need them. I need you now. Right? See, one of the greatest pressures we'll operate under is this, is the imperative to succeed. He had mentioned that. Right? And we all want to succeed. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, you know what, today I just want to be a failure. We don't do that. The imperative in us is we want to be better. We want, to, we want something more. We want a raise. We want a new car. We, got, we want, you know, and that's a good thing. That, that, that's a desire that we have in us. In fact, it gets so, so driven by some parents no longer just worry about their, their child getting into a good college. Uh, parents are now worrying about their child getting into a good daycare. They're, 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 cause why? Because they want them to be the best, Right? Increasingly, we'll find that a BA or a BS degree only qualifies a recipient to work at a lower level job. So now we want more because we have that imperative to succeed, right? In fact, I go to Asia oftentimes. In the Philippines, if you have a four-year degree, that gives you entry into becoming an attendant at McDonald's because the competition is so fierce, a four-year degree. And if they get a, a, a job at McDonald's, they think they're bad. They're like, yeah, I'm bad. Where you? I work at McDonald's, man. Over here, if you work at McDonald's, we say, I ain't telling nobody I'm working at McDonald's. Huh? Huh? See, God, when he looks at you, he doesn't look at the outer appearance. He doesn't, he doesn't look, you know, because everyone try to, you know, fake the funk. They try to look real good. No, God's not looking at how you look on the outside. He's looking deep inside. When I say on the outside, he's not looking at your credentials. He's not looking at all the things you have on your wall. And all those things you might have in the wall might be good. But that's not what he's looking for. He's looking inside. What do I got here? What kind of person is here? In 1 Samuel chapter 16, it, it talks about God calling a man of God. And there, verse 5, let's read it. It says, Samuel replied, yes, in peace I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. He then consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. The prophet got all the family out because God wanted to separate somebody. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and he thought, surely the Lord anointed stands here before me because Eliab was a big man, right? Real, you know, looking, good looking guy. And he goes, man, he looks like a king. Look, he's good. He's fine. Man, he's got to be a king, right? He thought that has to be a king. Uh-uh-uh. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. At the heart. This text tells the story of God's surprising choice of David. As a new king, David, he was the runt of the family. The Bible said he was ruddy. That means he had red hair. Could you imagine that? A redhead leader. Oh, are you kidding me? 
right? And he chose him rather than the oldest brother, the guy out in the field. In fact, he was so uh, overlooked that when Jesse brought the family together, he brought all the sons but David. He goes, no, I don't want to bring that guy. Let's bring the good-looking ones. Huh? But God doesn't look at the outer appearance. Right? See, if you recall this whole story, the people asked for a king. God didn't want to raise up. God wanted the people to follow the prophet. But the, the people wanted to be led by a king. Let's look at verse 6 of chapter 8. We'll get into this story. Samuel was very upset with the request and went to the Lord for advice. Do as they say, the Lord replied, for it is me they are rejecting, not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. Ever since I brought them out of Egypt, they have continually forsaken me and followed other gods. And now they are giving you the same treatment. Do as they ask, but solemnly warn them about how a king would treat them. See, God wanted to rule them through the prophet, but people wanted a king. And what you find, if you look at history, the basic tenet in life for all people is to be led. Now, some of you say, oh, I don't want to be led. Yeah, you want to be led because you know, Americans think they don't want to be led because we, we don't have a monarch like a king, but you have a boss, and you'll do anything your boss say. Yes, sir, boss. Because the tenet in any society is to be led. Right? If you're a good follower, then eventually you might become one of the leaders. But that is the basic need in life. In fact, I was watching a movie, if you watch the movie, Winston Churchill. Great man. World War I, he was a hero. He led the troops, and, and he was a great warrior. And what, the scene that got me the most is now he's a little older. He's the prime minister of England, and they're fighting the Germans. They're getting ready for D-Day. 250,000 men we're going to die, they assumed, at the beach landing. Hundreds of thousands. He goes, in the first hour of fighting, 20,000 people were expected to die. And Winston Churchill was in the World War I, and he was against it. I didn't know he was against it. He fought Eisenhower, and he fought Monty, the General Monty Montgomery. I can't think of his last name. Eisenhower, any, any, any history freaks, it'll come to me later. But he fought them, tooth and nail. He did not want to go. But the generals pushed back on the prime minister. And what was happening is the prime minister couldn't let go. In other words, he couldn't, he wanted to lead. He couldn't trust others to lead. He wanted to lead, right? So he's having this whole conundrum. But what got me was this. Eisenhower talked to the king of England. The king of England went to Winston Churchill and said, look, you had your time. You have to trust these men to do their job. And he's telling them in a real subtle and, and, and way. But what got me was this. Winston Churchill said, you are my king, and I will do as you say. I go, ooh, that got me. Because if you would have seen him, how he fought, and he fought, and he fought. But once his leader, the king, told him to do something, he says, you are my king. Oh. See, we have to understand that we have that tendency to, or that desire to be led, because I feel the same way. I want to follow. That's why I follow Pastor Sonny, because he's my leader. And we do what we're doing all over the world because of him. I, I, I follow Pastor Steve, but he went on to be with the Lord. But that, why? We go, we, we travel, and we do what God's going to do. But here's the danger. 
they're just men. And, and that, does that mean we don't follow nobody? No. That's why we have Scripture. Because in 2 Timothy 4.3, reads like this. Now, this is what we do. People choose the one they think should be king. For a time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to, to say what their inching ears want to hear. So that's the danger. Huh? I mean, let me read this in the Message Bible, the same scripture. It says, you're going to find that there will be times when people will have no stomach for solid teaching, but will fill up on spiritual junk food. Catchy opinions that tickle their fancy. See, while we have a desire to be led, we have to be careful. That's why it's so important that we stay as close to Scripture as possible. Otherwise, people can do anything. Because people have a desire to be led. Right? See, in the case of David, we're fortunate to find that God chose the heir to the throne, not the people. See, the first choice was the people's choice. It was the X factor. Right? The voice. The people chose it. But the second choice was God's choice. Why? Because people can't be trusted to even choose their own leader. That's deep right there. See, there's characteristics of, of kings. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get you somewhere. Saul was a big man, handsome. He had the look of a leader. David was a boy. Not large in stature. And he was the least important person in his family. Perhaps the individual most cognizant of these differences was Samuel. Because Samuel, he was, he was the prophet, respected seer amongst the 12 tribes. The people came to him for a ruler, and Samuel brought the request before God. And God relented. He didn't want to, but he relented, and he approved for them a king. The Lord spoke privately with Samuel. And he reveals to him where this ruler will hail from. Then he assures the prophet that this man, you're not going to be able to tell he's the king. He's not going to look like a king, but he's the king. So Samuel evidently has little to complain about in God's choice. Because now here's the new king's father. This is what he looks at. This is how Samuel looked at. Well, at least he's Kish. Now, Kish was a wealthy Benjamin. See, men always look toward money and position. So you go, wow, at least he's from that tribe. At least he got some money. And God doesn't look at that. Kish was rich from the tribe of Benjamin, right? His son Saul was, was the most handsome. So he liked that. But when, David, when he came to David, he said, you know, we're throwing all that away. We're going to get somebody that you least expect. Why am I saying that? Because that's why God has called us. We're the least expected. My pastor would say this. I'll never forget it. And a friend of mine just two days ago sent it to me. And it was a picture, it was a pole, right? And it had a pole, like a little pole, like a four, four by four pole in the ground. On top of the pole was a turtle, right? And I seen that, I go, wow, that's so heavy. To you, it may not be heavy, heavy but see, if you were to see a turtle on a pole, what would you think? This is what we think. This is how I think. Somebody had to put it there. That turtle cannot climb that pole by himself. 
So in, in Victory Outreach, we're like a turtle on a pole. I don't know how we got here. I don't know how we grow our ministry. I have no idea of how we get men in the home, women in the home, you in the church. I have no idea. God must have put us there. Because it couldn't happen otherwise. We're a turtle on a pole. Victory Outreach. So when God begins to use ordinary people, they go, how, how come that guy's getting used? He, don't, he didn't go to a cemetery, I mean seminary. He, he didn't have the greatest education. That, that is overrated. Now, I'm very educated, but that is still overrated. My biggest problem is my education. I got too much knowledge, right? Two masters and a doctoral. Big deal. That is my problem. My solution is my understanding of who God is. That, that is more important than anything else. This other thing might be cool, but that, that's, not, that's overrated. Why? Because God wants a turtle on a pole. He wants to raise up ordinary people. He wants to blow your friend's mind. Hello, someone. Huh? See, this king that looked like a king, thought he was bad, he simply disappointed God. He didn't do what he was called to do. Right? He disappointed God and his people because he thought he had it all together. You know, you ever meet somebody who thinks they have it all together? Come on now. Do you ever meet somebody who, you, don't you feel like slapping them? I do. I go, this guy, this guy thinks he got it all together. Just, but you, you, in the spirit, in the spirit, you think that. You don't actually do it, right? Amen? But they think they're all, the, all but see, that's how Sam, uh, Saul was. He thought he had it all together. Oh, look at these people. But he disappoints God and the Lord. And how do people disappoint God? See, people disappoint God when, when they take their own counsel over the directives of the Lord. Hmm? See, the unfortunate reality of a man is we have an intellect. And we think we can figure everything out. We have the ability to reason. Proverbs 28, 26 says, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. Wow, that's heavy, huh? That's why I say we have, to under, we have to have values, certain values in a system, in a society like today where we have no more values. Right, right now, we're in a, a situation where, where men are being questioned where they're men, right? And when children at, their, at, at the age of five can determine if they're a woman or, or rather a boy or a girl. Are you kidding me? How in the world have we came so low? No values. See, when you trust in your own mind, you're a fool. You need to trust in the scripture. See, man's ability left unchecked can reason away God's desire for one's life. We can think we don't need to focus on the things of God because I got to take care of business. We don't need to focus on what God has for me because I got to take care of my family. And your family and your business are very important, but they are not as important as God. They are not as important as God. See, people disappoint God when they disobey God <clears throat> marching orders. God has a, a task for us. When Jesus ascended on high, he said, go ye into all the world. And the last time I looked at go ye, ye means you. I don't care what language. Ye is you. And, and, and if we get real deep, go, go in the Hebrew, go in the Greek, Go in the Spanish, in the English, in the jalapeno. Go means go. 
Go, you. But we're so busy with other things, we disappoint God. Huh? See, obedience is better than sacrifice. See, and God's marching orders, oh, they always put us on the pathway towards his favor. And I don't know about you, I want his favor. <clears throat> if you want his favor, you got to follow his marching orders. You can't ask, God, give me your favor when you do your own thing. No. Don't ask God to bless you. Go where God is blessing. Amen? Amen. Numbers 14.24 describes a man by the name of Caleb. I like what he says about Caleb. He said, he has a different spirit and has followed me fully. Numbers 25. I will bring into the land into which he went and his descendants will possess it. Why? Caleb had a different spirit. And because Caleb had that different spirit, I'm not only going to bless him. He said, I'm going to bring his descendants with them and I'm going to bless them. Hmm? See, people just want God when we boast of our own actions. And when you look at the life of King Saul, that's just what he did. He boasted before Samuel. He had pride or, or hubris. You know, that hubris, the excessive pride and ambition that leads to a downfall. The classic hero tragedy. A very proud way of talking or behaving that offends people. Hubris, proud. You know those proud people that, that offend people? As a result, God said, I regret I regret that I made Saul king. He was sad. Could you imagine God saying, I regret that I even let you be born. Oh. And when I think of things like that, come believe me, if we're not obedient to the word of God, what else does God say <clears throat> about our lives? What can he say? Things that choke people's love for God. Because as you look at Saul, he, he lost touch with God somehow. He was very, in, in the early of his life, he was very sensitive to the Holy Spirit. He became king. All of a sudden, things begin to change. He goes, man, I'm the king. I can do anything I want. People bow to me. People respect me. <sighs> yeah. Then he looked at himself. He's handsome. I'm handsome. I'm a handsome king. And then he started believing his own press. Right? And then eventually, because you believe your own press. Listen, let me let you know something. We're all a bunch of dirt balls. Okay, well, if you think you're fine, you might be a good-looking dirt ball, but you're still a dirt ball nonetheless, nonetheless, right? And once we understand that we're just a bunch of dirt balls, sinners saved by grace. I don't care how much talent, how much money, what your checkbook looks like. I could care less because when you die, you're leaving your checkbook behind. Let me know where it's at. I'll go get it. Amen? But that's a different story. But that means nothing. But Saul got so proud, and it choked God's love, the love that he had once out of his life. Hmm? Somehow, Saul's love for God faded. At the same time, Saul's desires changed. And I looked at his life, and I go, what caused him? And when you look at life in general, one thing we all have in common is stress. Anybody have stress? Stress. Now listen, not all stress is bad. You know, if we're going to grow, we need to stretch ourselves, right? Because stress brings out the best 
and the worst in people. There's two types of stuff. You have have distress. You know, that's negative. I'm in distress. Help me. Help me, Lord. That's the negative side of stress. But you have another kind of stress called youth stress, which is the positive side of stress. And if managed well, stress, if managed well, listen to this, all stress is good. Because people say, I don't want no stress. Yeah, you do need some stress. Right? You need, you need stress. You know, you know what they say? No pain, no gain. You need a little stress. Every, every garden or every, every blade of grass needs a little bit of water, needs a little bit of rain. If all you want is sunshine, eventually too much sunshine. If you, all you have is sunshine, then it looks like Pueblo. A desert. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. It's like, whoa, man, it's a desert out there. Too much sunshine, not enough rain. So you need, you need some rain in your life. You need a little storm in, in your life. Huh? Huh? But unfortunately, most do not manage stress well. Huh? They don't. So we're in that, 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 that pain avoidance generation. So when I grew up, stress and survival was just, just what we did. I, you know, I didn't think about that. You know, I, I was talking to Pastor Roy the other day. I was with him, had lunch with him. He's a retired preacher. He's about 75, eight months. He's old, older than... Anyway, we're talking, and I go, you know, when I grew up, Pastor, I didn't realize we were poor. He goes, you were poor too? Yeah, I didn't know. My mom never told me we were poor. I didn't know I was poor until I got older. I looked back, and I said, man, we were poor. You know? We, we used to eat jam sandwiches. You know what I'm talking about? Two pieces of bread jammed together. We thought we were good. We thought we were like, like eating the best food in the world. Flour tortillas off the grill with butter. We roll them up. And we thought like we're living large. Right? We didn't know all we had was flour. We, you know, we didn't, no one told us. And we were happy. We were so happy, man, we're poor and happy. And then all of a sudden, I get older and somebody told me poor, and I got sad. <laughs> Why'd you tell me? I, I felt so good about my youth. Now you don't mess me up. And then now you have this avoidance generation, this, this generation that don't like no pain. I'm mad at my boss. I need a drink. My husband is rude. I have to have a smoke. My children are going crazy. Smoke me a joint. <laughs> We're in a, point, a pain avoidance generation. And listen, if you don't know how to manage pain, you'll never grow. Pain will determine your value. In fact, there is a pain threshold. Everybody has to grow their pain threshold because it's like a pendulum. As far as the pain you can handle is as far as the blessings you'll get. The more pain, the more blessing. And people wonder, how come I'm not blessed? Because you get mad if somebody stepped on your toe. Somebody called you a bad name. Oh, you call me a bad name. Oh, you call me mad at you. You have to learn to handle it. Amen? Yeah. And then you, that uncontrolled. Controlled stress can weaken even the strongest person because you can't handle it. So another thing that will pull you away from God, we're talking about things that pull people away from God, time pressures. See, although there are some people that work better under under time pressures, most 
for the most part, time pressures will affect judgment. So we must, we must take time to plan. Because time pressures, and time is very valuable. See, if you lost all your money, you went bankrupt right now, and you're still alive, guess what? You can make that money back. In fact, I don't care what you lose. If you wreck your car, you go outside, totally your car, guess what? You can get another car. Right? Because th- these are all replaceable. But time, once it's gone, you can never get it back. It's gone. Forever gone. I'm getting close to mm, none of your business. I'm getting older and older. And I look back, I go, what happened? Like yesterday I was 35? What happened? And no matter how hard I try, I can take a th- all the vitamins in the world, and I take a lot of them. I can, I can drink protein. I can drink this. Act like Arnold Schwarzenegger. It'll never give me back my time. I told my wife, we're getting old. <laughs> That's it. Nothing you can do about it. Time. Huh? So we must listen. Because time is so valuable, you must take time to plan Take time. Because if you don't take time to plan, then you plan to fail. And that is against your t- our tenant to succeed. And we say, why can't I succeed? Because I probably you never took enough time to plan. And then you get, then you get all frustrated. Proverbs 24.10 reads, if you fail under pressure, your strength is not very great. Conversely, time pressure can benefit. Time pressure can benefit. You ever wonder how you make a diamond? See, it takes pressure to make a diamond. And we've talked about stress, and we talk about time pressure, but listen, all these things, if we look at, them, look at them with the right perspective, we understand that these are for our benefit. God, the Bible says everything comes with the hand of God. Everything. Think about what I just said. Everything comes with the hand of God. Everything. Okay, now think about the person who got you mad last week. I mean, you know, you want to pop them in the nose. That one. Guess what? If you're walking with God, that person was intended for you. God made that person especially for you. That person may even be your spouse, but that's your spouse. And everything you went through with your spouse was planned, was needed. So instead of getting mad, be happy. Thank you, Lord, because everything that comes to me comes through your hand first. Instead of saying, thank you, Lord, we said, God, why'd you bring that person? Why'd you do that? Why? Well, I need a, I need a cigarette. Uh-oh. Hello, somebody. Is anybody here? Is my mic still on? <laughs> hmm? All right. See, it takes pressure to make a diamond. And pressure makes us yeah. look to God. See, God's whole intent is for us to get closer to him, right? Now, if we don't, if he doesn't do anything, if all he does is put pressure to say, oh, God, guess what? He's got your attention. So rather than you taking his pressure like hard, because, you know, my, my, I have this thing, I just kind of trip, go through all kinds of pressure. I'm just cool with it. I am. I just go to the gym, work out, and all that stuff, all hell's breaking loose. Just What's going on? I, I'm, I'm useless already. Why? Because you watch. Watch what God. I tell my wife, watch what God does. Why? Because Every, everything's going crazy. Everything's nuts. 
hug. I, 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 it's like, wow, you crap. Oh, got no money. Got no, got no teeth, right? Right? Got nothing to lose. It's all oh, hell is breaking loose. What's happening, God? I like it like that. Because I know God allowed it. And if God allowed it, he's got something special after it. It always happens when you're trusting in God. What most people do during pressure like that, they jump out of God's will, they take things into their own hand, and they mess it all up. And then they blame God after they messed it all up. God, look what you did. No, if you would have just kept quiet and shut up, I could have handled that. But no, you had to open your big mouth. Wah, 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 wah. Am I talking to anybody here today? Hello, someone. Right? So we need these time pressures. We need these things. Why? Because God wants to make us. That's how God makes ordinary people great. Huh? Oh, yes. See, if stress doesn't get you, time pressures don't get you, this will get you right here. Possessions. Possessions. Can I say it again? Possessions. First John, John is writing this, bi- this book years after the Lord has gone away. It's like a memoir. And he says this, stop loving this evil world and all that it has to offer. First John chapter 2, verse 15. For when you love the world, you show that you do not love, you do not have love for the Father in you. For the world offers only the lust for physical pleasure, the lust for everything we see, and pride in our possessions. These are not from the Father. They are from this evil world. Wow. See, possessions, the, the bad thing about possessions, if you have a lot of them, they're fun. Hello? Come on, you know, talk about, if you got, if you, if you got money in the bank, what do they say? How do they say? You know, can't buy me love. No, 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 right? Can't buy you love. But the problem with money, it can rent it. And most people that are not walking with God are renting their happiness. Possessions will do that. Can't come to church. Why? I, gotta, I just bought me some jet skis. <laughs> Why? But, but it's Sunday. Oh, no, 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 no. I got my skis. Oh, if that doesn't get you, you probably got your new fly pole. Fly pole. Wow, I can't go to church now. I got my new fly pole. Let's pray. Let's, let's worship God. Can't do it right now. I got to go try out my new 75-inch screen TV. It's curbed. <laughs> but let's, let's go hit the streets. No, 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 no. Can't hit the streets. Why? Because I'm too busy. Why? I just got my new Harley. Possessions. Can I keep going? See, we get all caught up. And like I said, I like to have a Harley. But do you think I'll ride that Harley and miss worshiping God? I'll throw that Harley off Pike's Peak before I do that. Amen. Hmm? I like TVs, watching football games, March Madness, right? But do you think I'll miss church? Heck no. Some people miss church just for a football game. And I'm a Raider fan, sorry. But I will not miss a, I will not miss a Sunday service to watch a football game. Because you know why? That pigskin is not going to be with me when I face God. Huh? John Elway or Al Davis, they won't be with me when I have to face God. No, I put God first, and then I go have fun. But many people put possessions before, before the Lord. 
Matthew 19 talks about the, the, the rich young ruler who said he obeyed all the commandments. Then he asked Jesus, what should I do? If you want to be perfect, he said, go sell everything. Follow me. Whew. The rich young ruler said, well, that's too heavy, man. Jesus, you must be a cult. I ain't following you. He walked away. Sad. Why? Because he couldn't follow him. Why? Because he had much possession. That's when Jesus said, it is easier to walk a camel through the eye of a needle than for the wealthy to make it to heaven. And the ironic thing is everybody wants to be wealthy. Don't we? Notice I said we. Don't we? If I said, you want to be poor? You go, I don't want to be poor, but don't be looking at me. We all want to be wealthy. So if we want to be wealthy, it's okay with that. Understand, it's hard to stay saved and maintain your wealth. You can't serve God and money. Now, if you can have wealth and not let the money rule you, then you're okay. Do you know anybody like that? Invite them to Victory Outreach. Amen? That's right. Huh? See, Jesus says to his disciples after that story in Matthew 19, 23, I tell you the truth, it is very hard for the rich to get into the kingdom of heaven. See, if you desire possession, you must handle them or they will handle you. And again, we're in America. We have possessions. I'm not, I'm not against possessions. Listen, we should all have our possessions. But we need to put them in proper perspective because we're a blessed people. Handle our blessings with care. Yeah. Amen? Because yeah. then we, if we don't, we'll make poor choices. What's another thing that gets God angry? Poor choices. Everybody has to make a choice. Even today, you're going to have to make a choice. You're going to have to make a choice. You've got to make the right choice. Don't make a poor choice. Right? Ulysses S. Grant was asked, when he voted for Buchanan for president years ago for history, he asked, why did you vote for Buchanan and not Fremont? He goes, I didn't vote for Fremont because I knew Fremont. So I voted for Buchanan. Got to make the right choice. Huh? Make the choice. God will have, bring voices to you. You even probably hear one now. You choose the voice you follow. Choices. And your choice is determined by your priority. So we have to be careful of wrong priorities. What is your priority? See, my, I'm very easy to figure out. My priority in life is very simple. I want to grow Victory Outreach International as big as I can all over the world and then die. That's it. Very simple. Everything I do is focused on that. Why? Why do I do it? You know why I did that? Because when I was saved, I got saved in 1985, and that man right there taught me everything I know. He taught me, he taught me, taught me, taught me. He taught me one thing, save souls, save souls, save souls. And when he was on his deathbed, he's on his deathbed, and he has flyers. He goes, oh, you got any flyers? I got no flyers. But he goes, I told you, you got to always have flyers. Why? Because you have to save souls. And he was dying. Save souls souls, Al. And I told him, Pastor, I will always save souls. So I'm going to do that. I'll do that. Don't worry, Pastor. I'm going to do that. And he died. So I'm very simple. That's what I want to do. I want to win people for Jesus. I want to grow this church. Huh? I want a hundred-man men's home. I want to 
Woo, 50 women. Women are a little difficult. I want 50 women. 50, 50 women are like equal to 300 men. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's another, that's another message. Let me get back over here. God still uses today ordinary people. That's who we're reaching. Things still haven't changed much. Throughout the excess, excess of 80s into the new age 90s, right now in this 21st century, we, we are possessed with a drive to, 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 to stand ahead and, and show we want to be the best in this generation right now. Listen, God still uses ordinary people. Huh. Why? You know, because those people who think they got together, they get caught up by their possessions. They get caught up by their position. They get caught up by all the limelight. And so God has to look past them, right, because they're too busy for him. They're too preoccupied for God. You mean do a call of God, go and win souls? Don't you know I'm busy? Yes, he does. That's why he doesn't use people like that. He uses ordinary people. Huh? He didn't look at our looks, our wealth, our success. No, 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 no. Because today's cultural standards, and they even drive it home, they avoid the average. Everything, you know, everything is extreme. They have the X games, extreme. The X factor. I mean, everything is extreme. And that's what this whole society, we, yeah, extreme, extreme. No, no, no. God wants ordinary. Simple. Hmm? When, when others are saying average is to be avoided at all costs, God said, no, no, no. I want the average person. And the problem with this attitude is that, 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 that avoiding the average is not scriptural, nor is it socially accurate. Listen, ladies, everybody is not shaped like a Barbie doll. That is, that's fake. And then you try to compete. You can't compete with the Barbie doll. It's plastic. <laughs> but we see that. I, I want to look like that. I look, no, you don't. You want to look like you. Huh? You got, you got love handles? Well, just paint them. I don't know. Do something. Love them. They're called love handles, so love them. You are you. You're ordinary. All that else is make-believe. You don't want to look like some anorexic chick walking down the aisle all sucked up like she's been on crack for 10 years. That is not a real person. That's all make-believe. You're real. You're real. You're ordinary. Yeah, that's, that's what God wants. Just people say, you know, I'm just making it day by day. I'm just working hard. I'm just doing the best I can with what I got. That's what God wants. Average people. Average people build God's kingdom. Huh? The C student often is the one that blossoms to the leader, to the backbone of a community and a cause. It's the average. As I close, the Bible repeatedly tells us how God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Well, that is, that, that's what astonished the people of Jesus' day. An ordinary carpenter? A resident? This guy from, from Nazareth? Remember, the, the, uh, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, you can, well, who are these people, these, these 12 people, these, these, these ruffians? And a tax collector, the worst kind. Huh? See, Paul understood that the average is what God is looking for. Huh? 
That's why he writes 1 Corinthians chapter 26. Rather, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26. Brothers, think of what you were called, or what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are. So I don't care what the world tells you. I don't care what anybody tells you. I'm here to tell you right now, you are God's chosen people. You are God's called. God wants to use you. You're special. You're the most special. So don't let anybody lie to you. He did, God, he used, man, he used ordinary people to do mighty things. He used Moses. Moses, who couldn't even talk. He couldn't even talk. I'm going to use that one. Why? Because he can't talk. Isaac, a boy. He used Isaac, a boy. Ordinary people, the disciples that we talked about. Twelve disciples, none rich, none famous, none educated. Twelve common men of uncommon faith. They just believed. They were simple enough to believe. Ordinary people like King David, a red-headed boy. King David. Ordinary people like you. No one ever had bowed, never had closed. Never had bowed, never had closed. Ordinary people. Everything that you went through. I don't know what got you here today. But I do know this. If you're here today, everything that you went through was meant to get you here. Everything you experienced was meant to bring you here. Because God wants to use you. Right where you're at. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. God wants to use you. So today, the call of God is going out. I'm not asking for prayer forgiveness, because I'm believing God is going to forgive you through your answered call. But you say, I feel feel God has a call on my life. I don't know what it is, but I know there's something different about me. There's always been something different about me. And today, you know it's God is calling you to do something great. I really believe some of you are going to travel with me as I go to Indonesia, to the Philippines. I'm I'm planning a trip to India because we have churches there. We're going to reach people. Some of you are going to go with me. Why? Because that's what we're called to do. We're called to win souls. Go ye into all the world. Other of you are just going to be business people. They're going to help fund worldwide ministries. I don't know the call. You do. God does. But if you feel that tug in your heart, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. As we sing this song, I want you to come forward.